2: Hi there, and welcome to Stock Club, a podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm Mike, and joining me on today's episode are Rory and anne from the My Wall Street Analyst team. Today, we're talking about active investor Elliott Management taking up a stake in Pinterest and PayPal. We dissect Airbnb's earnings, and we identify what's gone wrong at Roku. You know the story by now. I want to remind you that we have an extended version of Stock Club that you can listen to exclusively in the My Wall Street app for free. At the end of the show, anne and Rory are going to pitch two companies to me that they have their eye on. I'll pick my favorite and in the extended episode you can hear the full discussion we have as we try to figure out if it's a good investment or not. There's a link to the episode in the notes for this show, so if you want to hear the extended elevator pitch, just tap that to head on over to My Wall Street. Have you heard the good news, lads? We have another meme stock on our hands. AMTD Digital, a Hong Kong company, which is up about 30,000% since its IPO. It's now worth about $175 billion, and it reached almost $400 billion at one point on Tuesday. I must point out that it made about $200 million last year, just as an aside. Rory, Amory, is this going to end well?
1: Sorry, I've been on holiday. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> i have never heard of this company and um, this is news to me sorry what are they called amtd digital
2: this and- Docticker's is hkd and it sounds like the shadiest stuff you've ever come across in your life
0: they only brought in 25 million in revenue last year
2: 25 million all right well then, <laughs> then
0: yeah
2: then their numbers aren't great either
1: <laughs> um does anyone know what they do uh,
0: no Again, I'm, I'm looking at an article right now. Apparently, so they've now surpassed Costco in terms of market cap, and they are closer now to about size of Walmart or Exxon. So that's good. Good for them.
1: Who said high-value growth stocks were dead? Yeah. There you go. I think this is, this is
2: just what this market needed was another meme stock craze.
1: Absolutely. Although- I mean, it's definitely not the kind of thing you see at a bottom, is it? No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although this does sound a lot shadier and less... Uh retail driven I'll say. I like had a quick glance at Reddit before we got online here and they kind of were like, I don't know what's happening either. So
1: What, so the the Wall Street Bets guys don't even know what's going on?
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: Oh my god. Where is where where is this coming from? There's a new um you know, CD subculture of investors out there somewhere on some platform. Discord yeah. maybe?
2: Or just yeah, like that- paper paper newsletters maybe. Paper newsletters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they reach a higher net worth of individual that way
1: mm. so right we know we don't know what they do um and they're worth what 300 how much did you say 175 billion
2: i think 175 billion at the minute they reached mm. almost 400 on tuesday uh, that's pricey that, i yeah. can't
0: wait to see their super bowl commercial next year <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh I'm, I'm sure they'll be back to 400 billion by the time this podcast goes out as well. I have yep. big faith in amtd <laughs> <laughs> right moving on then from the memes and we're looking at pinterest today it was soaring this week after the company reported earnings and while the financials weren't great the company's user figures did come in be- much better than expected however i think the bigger news story here is that around the same time of the call activist investor elliot management released a statement saying it had become the company's largest shareholder and his conviction in the business And Marie, let's, let's go through the numbers first in the earnings report and then we can move on to Elliot. Uh, talk us through the earnings call.
0: Yeah. So for Q2, revenue grew about 9% year over year, coming in at the nice round figure of 666 million. Um, and there you go. Uh, global monthly active users decreased by about 5% to 433 million. However, this decrease was smaller than we expected. We actually. Thought there was going to be a bigger drop, so that was you know a, a bit of the silver lining. Uh, net loss was forty three million for Q two, and the adjusted EBITDA was about ninety two million. So. There was kind of an underperformance uh, across the board. And then to top it all off, management gave rather lukewarm projections for the rest of the year and for Q3. So um, for next quarter, revenue will grow in the mid-single digits on a year-to-year percentage basis. And that takes into account a slightly greater foreign exchange headwinds than the company was expecting, of course, because of the strong dollars. So. You know, it wasn't a great report, but I think people are so pessimistic at the minute that they saw, you know, monthly active users are maybe experiencing somewhat of a rebound and they held on tight to that. So um, the stock is doing pretty well, isn't it? Almost up 10% since the report.
2: Mm, So that's kind of where I was going with this. It it seems like that report maybe doesn't deserve such a stock bump. Would would investors be more interested in the Elliott management statement than anything else?
0: Yeah, I do think that the Elliott... Management statement is probably what people are clinging to. I think, you know, Pinterest for a really long time has always been a stock that people have said, oh, this company has so much potential if they could just slightly redirect or if they could kind of, you know, double down on e-commerce or if they could find a way to expand their margins. You know, I, it's always kind of been this tale of, of potential. That being said, I went and had a, like a deeper look at the report and something that I've always been paying attention to in relation to Pinterest is uh, average revenue per user. Um, it's something... That maybe for the last two years, we've been hearing Pinterest is working on increasing the amount of money it brings in from each user. And that really was something that they only began focusing on the North American market initially. They only started allowing advertisers in the European market like three or four quarters ago. So it's it's not something that they have really effectively built out. And, and it's really really pronounced when you look at, um, average revenue per user on a global level compared to like maybe the American market where, you know, they're routinely bringing in five to $6 a user and then, um, in their rest of the world group, which is anything other than, um, the United States, Canada, and Europe, it's like 10 cents average revenue per user because they're really just not focused on that market at the minute. And that's a capability that they want to build out. And we have seen that figure steadily increasing. And actually, um, the rest of the world average revenue per user jumped by 80% this quarter of year. Europe was up 20%. Uh, the United States and Canada was up 20%. So um, we are seeing some meaningful moves in that way, kind of in the finer details within the company. That's something that's nice to see because that's the direction we want them to head in. Um, But I would say Elliott Management is just going to put more more pressure upon the company to make that redirection maybe a bit quicker because that tends to be um, what they do with these large software companies that they enter.
2: Yeah. And then while investors seem excited about this move in the short term, Elliot doesn't have the best reputation, we'll say. It's quite a combative style. We we kind of, They kind of came to the fore um, in their open letter to Jack Dorsey when he was Twitter CEO. And well, he's not Twitter CEO anymore, so that worked. Um I think even at one point they tried to commandeer an Argentinian Navy vessel. Um, so that kind of tells you the style of investor Elliott management is. Do you think this is going to be beneficial for Pinterest shareholders in the long run, having them there?
0: Yeah. It, it's an interesting question because their Elliott management is in somewhat of a philosophical transformation, if you will. Before, about two years ago, Elliot had a very different kind of MO. They used to look for small, underperforming software companies, and these were ones that they could easily take over, get a really strong foothold in, and then they wanted to improve the outlook of the company within 12 to 24 months, and then they wanted to sell it on. Um, however, Elliot, as they've gotten bigger, they've gotten more capital, they've become more interested in large companies, like companies that you could not effectively sell onto somebody else. You know, they're not going to get acquired. You know, we're talking about PayPal. We're talking about Pinterest. Um, and that has meant that their new strategy has been dubbed by CNBC elephant hunting. They're looking for the biggest and baddest stocks out there. Um, and they're specifically looking for ones that seem to be lacking focus. That's something that management has spoken about. Um, but you are correct that like Twitter would be the most significant instance we've seen them operating within one of these larger companies. Um, And I mean, it it means that the strategy has to change because if you're not preparing them to be acquired, it means that you have to maybe put in a bit more work because you need to get that company up and functional to push the market value higher. And I think a lot of analysts, a lot of investors wanted Jack Dorsey out. And so that seemed like the logical step for them to push for. But now he is out and now We've let Elon Musk in the door, and things seem way worse than we ever could have imagined. So they do seem to have a rather mixed record. Um, that being said, with like smaller entities, they've been very successful in turning companies around and, ter- and making profit from them. Um, I would say that Pinterest is kind of an ideal candidate for their intervention. You know, they have a lot of potential. They're looking for new ways to monetize. They're looking for ways to expand out their margins. And they're probably a bit more suited to for help than maybe Twitter was. I mean, Twitter has for years we keep saying how is Twitter so popular and it's a terrible business. I think Pinterest is very early in us beginning to have that pessimism towards them. So maybe they are a bit more apt to be reformed um, by Elliot's intervention.
2: Very good. And uh, nine minutes was the count before Elon Musk got mentioned on this podcast. Sorry. I thought we were. I was making my notes. I thought we were going to steer straight through, but no, it's fair enough. Um, (laughs) You mentioned uh, PayPal there. And now, Rory, I know you're an investor in PayPal. How do you feel about Elliott Management coming in?
1: Um, not so sure right now. I mean, like, uh, like Amory said, I think, um, Elliot has been kind of switching its strategy over a couple of years. You know, a company like PayPal is not going to be, you know, they're not going to be able to acquire a huge stake in it. Um, given that the size of the market cap, I always think, you know, investors get very excited sometimes when they see either a big investor like a Warren Buffett or a Carl Icahn or an activist come in. But of course we've seen time and time again that these, these investors make mistakes just like everyone else. You know, if you think back to uh, Buffett's big bet on IBM, uh, how that just didn't pan out at all. And um, it's very easy to kind of think, oh, if this person likes the stock, it must be good. But of course, all investors out there are human. And in a market like this, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen with the macroeconomic side of things. So there's, there's really kind of reason to, I know it's news, listen to it, take it on board, but, you know, probably don't put as much weight in it as sometimes the market can particularly when it's kind of a big name investor.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think Charlie Munger recently got burned on an Alibaba investment and he had a lot of people following him in there and that didn't work out too well. Mm. Yeah, so then we'll say, and we're talking about big name investors and stuff, is for the wider tech sector, we'll see a company like Elliott Management coming in. Are they spotting opportunities now in stocks like Pinterest, stocks like PayPal, stocks that are down heavily is this kind of and I don't want to ever declare a bottom but is this kind of a positive outlook where we're seeing signs that maybe there's been enough suffering here there's enough blood on the blood on the streets
0: um I don't know if we're approaching a bottom as you said it's it's really difficult for us to say that I definitely I think it's an indication that a stock is undervalued um which is something we've been We've seen discussed about Pinterest for the last several months. I mean, wasn't it six or seven months ago that there was some indication, oh, that it was maybe wasn't it Pinterest was maybe going to acquire, or PayPal PayPal. was maybe going to acquire acquire, Pinterest, and people thought it was really logical because the market cap of the company had been driven so low. They're like, surely it's worth more than this with all this kind of potential. So yeah, there does seem to be a sense that when Elliott Management gets involved, you have a company that has potential. But that potential might not pan out, but the, you know, the restructuring that might take place might allow them to have this second life and 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 enter a growth phase. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something to pay attention to. I know that they were somewhat involved as well in PayPal's maybe helping them focus a bit more. They just canceled today. They announced that they're canceling their plans to open a brokerage account, which people are thrilled about because they couldn't really figure out why PayPal was heading down that road anyway. It was um, there's so much competition in the brokerage space and PayPal has other things to do. So, yeah, I think it'll be. I'm I'm interested to see what both Pinterest and PayPal will do under Elliot's influence.
1: Hmm, also, sure. I mean, pay, um, Pinterest in particular is like a control company. I think the co-founders together own like 76% of the voting shares. So I, I don't know exactly how much influence they're going to be able to um, exert over, over that business. They are like the, you know, I know they're like the largest outside shareholder now, but it does seem like they're coming in with a, bit, a much more kind of positive Uh, constructive attitude than they have in the past, where they've just been calling for the heads of upper management and basically saying, we know how to run this thing better than you. So yeah, maybe it's a a sign that they've just seen some value out there and they're willing to kind of come in and maybe advise a little bit more constructively and friendly. Like, Mm.
2: I'd say uh, there's a lot of burned people in the past seeing active investors be a good thing. So I I don't know. (laughs) The the Argentinian Central Bank has things to say about (laughs) management, I'm sure. (laughs) Moving on then, and uh, Airbnb is also another big company here to show us our books this week. It had record bookings, its second best quarter to date, almost 400 million in net income, and it even announced a buyback program. So obviously the stock fell post-earnings. Rory, you got into the weeds with this one first. What happened here?
1: Yeah, I mean, on on the Front face of it, it was a pretty strong report. They saw revenues increase fifty seven percent to two point one billion. Um, they saw nights and experience booked increase twenty five percent, just shy of one hundred four million. Gross bookings were up twenty seven percent. It was, as you said, the most profitable quarter the company ever posted, with net income of three hundred and seventy nine million. Uh, and they announced a. Uh, buyback program, $2 million buyback program. They've got approximately 10 billion in cash and equivalents on the balance sheet now. So obviously they had to find something to do with that. Um, and they also expect kind of record revenue in Q3 anywhere between 2.78 and 2.88 billion. Uh, even better, they're generating great cash flows. They brought in nearly 800 million in free cash flow this quarter. That's more than a billion better than they were doing during the, um, the heights of the pandemic when they were just losing money left right and center uh but as i said the stock didn't react well i think it's first of all i think there was definitely an element of like the stock having a bit of a run-up before the report uh i think there was it was up about 20 percent in the month um so there was a lot of pressure for them to kind of blow it out of the water and 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 though they posted you know really good figures there was kind of some um niggling problems kind of in the in the future guidance that i think might have spooked some people
2: yeah and i think that's that's really where it comes down to is maybe slightly unambitious guidance. And, and what's tough to see is, I suppose a company stepping down its growth rate significantly like that. So I think guidance was about 25%, was it for next quad for Q3? And, and that's a big step down from 58% today. So, so yeah. investors seeing that.
1: They use the term stable to refer for, to refer to their bookings for the current quarter um stable isn't really what you want to hear from from what is still kind of considered a growth story um of course you know fifty eight percent revenue growth this quarter that's you know you you're looking at a growth story there, but management kind of he put it down sort of to a pull forward which you could probably put down to people. So I suppose, itching away to get on holidays following the lockdowns. Um, I know here in Ireland, the pandemic has played absolute havoc with the travel infrastructure. There have been mass delays at airports over the last few months due to staffing shortages. That's, that's something that we've seen kind of across Europe. People have had had to miss flights or people have had to cancel because they've tested positive in the last minute. Um, it also might be a sign of the macroeconomic pressures that we've seen hammer other businesses. Uh, and, you know, holidays are a big discretionary spend. This may be a signal... Have a bit of a peak in bookings growth for now until there's some economic relief it's also just become very expensive to travel i don't know about you guys but um everywhere i look at the moment it's just you know there's it's strong demand has seemed to really push up prices um and i anticipate a lot of people are deciding that they'd rather maybe save money now and hope that things normalize later on in the year uh chesky also did point out that they are seeing significant depression in both europe and the apac region so they're hoping to see a recovery for that in the next quarter
2: Mm, I saw that as well. I think it was, uh oh, I can't remember the term. I think it was average night booked was up 40%. So mm-hmm. we're saying like average revenue per user or average revenue per use. And like as a shareholder, you see that and you're like, oh, that's great. They're making more money of their customers. And then you're like, wait, I use Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like, this is not good. So um we talked about, and I think you kind of hammered it home there, but like travel, the travel industry and travel stocks would definitely be seen as, a cyclical business so it kind of would would mirror the boom bust cycle so you're facing times of economic uncertainty and kind of a recession that isn't called a recession yet but is also a technical recession or whatever way you want to call it if you're an airbnb investor or interested in this sector in general how much are you worried about say the coming next two quarters or the next year in terms of the economic outlook
1: yeah, I mean, look, very few businesses benefit from tough macroeconomic conditions. And like I said, it's expensive. Holidays are expensive. We talked last week about the numbers we were seeing coming out of Walmart and this trend that we are seeing in which people are spending more on stuff they need and less on stuff they want. And um, I know many of us feel we may need a holiday, but it really is a discretionary spend. <laughs> Um, inflation numbers are still growing. Consumers are naturally going to be tightening, where else will the negative news that's out there? On top of that, the companies, you know, it's, it's suffering from, um, foreign exchange fluctuations. You know, it's, it's a killer for any company that does business abroad, particularly for global businesses like Airbnb. They're, they're taking in revenue in euros, sterling, probably 50 others given their scope. And the dollar is just so strong right now relative to other currencies. It's affecting pretty much every business that operates internationally. Still, you know, I mean, I think Airbnb has proved more resilient than other firms in the past they do have a huge selection of sites at different price points and we saw in this report that they have demonstrated pricing power as you said now we don't know if that'll carry through over the next few quarters but the revenue guidance i think was still quite positive chesky seemed quite positive on the call i think it's one of those businesses that's quite nimble it can do an awful lot in terms of you know pivoting to various things when it sees trends moving that way we saw it handled the pandemic you know if this business can handle the pandemic <laughs> um, i'm pretty certain that it's going to be able to to weather the kind of coming storms and you know if we're thinking long term i still think airbnb looks like a great business I that's going to be bigger 10 years from now
2: for sure i'd agree with you there and i they actually i think they said it in the call didn't they that What they learned over the pandemic and how to be that lean and kind of go without a marketing budget and stuff, they still carry through in their ethos now. And it's actually been a long-term benefit. So, yeah, really interesting. I, I would agree with you there. I'm a big fan of Airbnb. Um moving on then, don't forget that if you listen to this podcast in the My Wall Street app, you get the full version of one of our elevator pitches at the end of this episode. It's completely free to listen to episodes of Stock Club in the My Wall Street app. All you need to do is download My Wall Street on iOS or Android and create an account. There's links in the notes for today's show. So just tap that and enjoy more Stock Club. Right, let's dig into Mailbag. So uh, we got a question in concerning Roku and its recent performance. The stock was down more than 20% after earnings last week and it's having a pretty rough year more than 60% down since the start. Amory, what's going on here with Roku?
0: It's just, it's a bit of a it's a sad tale, really. Um, I'm a big fan of Roku, so you know, it's it's it, it pains you every 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 quarter, but yeah, another kind of across the board things weren't looking great. So, revenue was expected to be about 805 uh, million and it came in at 764 million, so about a miss of almost 50 million dollars. And earnings, uh, loss of 82 cents per share when they we were expecting a loss of about 69 cents per share, it, yeah. Things, things weren't great. We also saw uh, active accounts uh, was about 14% year-over-year growth. We are a long way away from where we were during the pandemic where we were seeing active accounts grow you know, between 30 and 40%, which is a significant bummer. That being said, again, the silver lining, similar to Pinterest, is average revenue per user is up. So ARPU is up about 21%. So that's still a pretty strong figure. Um, Year over year. And that's something that I would love to see continue to grow, particularly with all of us believing that streaming is going to move into a more ad supported space rather than a pay for subscription. And I think uh, Roku is going to benefit from that. And I would say, you know, uh, macroeconomic conditions continue to be rough. Inflation continues to be bad. I think people will be making those tough decisions of maybe canceling some subscription services and replacing them with an ad supported option. So you know, in the long term, I'm still excited about Roku. And I think it's it's worth reiterating that like the long term story for this company, the one that I was interested in. Um, When it was, you know, pitched six months ago, the thing that we always have to return to is is I would view Roku less as being, you know, like a single streamer and being more almost like cable television when it comes to the amount of content that they are able to provide, particularly to developing markets, which more likely than not are not going to have anything other than ad supporting streaming because it's unlikely that, you know, people within South America are going to be paying for multiple subscriptions. And when it comes to stuff like that, Roku has Thousands of content partners. You know they have way more channels than any other um, streaming infrastructure provider, and that's what like makes me really interested in Roku's. Is they continue to penetrate into um, developing markets, new streaming markets. They should. Continue to bring in ad revenue at a rate that I think we will be impressed by in the long term. But um, yeah, just significant headwinds at the minute, particularly when you remember that they have to sell hardware to get into people's homes. You know, those $20 dongles, those $30 dongles. Roku traditionally sells those at almost a near loss. The last three to four quarters, they have been selling them at a loss because expenses have just risen. Um, So I would expect that there will continue to be some pain probably for the next two quarters, but I don't really think the long term story for this company. Um, has changed. I think they will still be quite interesting as ad supported revenue continues to grow.
2: Yeah, it seems to be a trend trend this earnings season that any ad platforms are kind of suffering and Mm -hmm. whether it's the economic factors and a pullback in ad spend or whether it's, we've mentioned it endless times at this stage, the TikTok effect on especially social media companies, but I think just eyeballs and engagement in general. So yeah, we'll, we'll, see what comes of it. But, um, I'd definitely be watching companies like the trade desk closely now when they report. Right. Then we will move on to elevator pitch to finish out today. Uh, Rory. Tell me a company on your watch list at the minute.
1: So I'm taking a look at Warby Parker. Um, It's one of the big disruptors in the world of eyewear. I'm sure most people have heard of it. Um, It's a company I first took a look at last year when they went public. And obviously they've had a baptism of fire in the public markets, uh, similar to what we've seen across the board with those kind of high valued stocks. Um, Stock is currently down around 77% in the last year. It's been a challenging year for the company, but they're still growing revenues and active customers that that last figure was up 18% to 2.23 million in the last report. They're also planning on opening a load of new stores this year. I think they've got 40 planned. So I'm kind of digging around to see if this is a potential value play now that the market has done quite a lot of damage to the market cap.
2: Interesting. I remember you pitched this to us a while back and the, was it the customer loyalty was like unheard of?
1: Yeah, they just have really loyal customers. Once customers come in, they pretty much stay with them. They have a they seem to have a really good product that people love, and they get that return business, which is something that you really do need to focus in on when you're looking at these businesses that are paying at paying big money in marketing to bring in customers. It's always the question is, can they get those customers to come back and use the service again and extend that um, that long term value that they're, they're going to generate from them?
2: Very good, Anne-Marie, What have you been looking at recently?
0: I have a funky one. I have a like a funny <laughs> I have a funny pitch. And I think it's an interesting pitch, but like it's not like a. F- it's not fully developed. Like we couldn't funny, buy the stock
2: funny ha or funny peculiar?
0: Um Funny, peculiar.
2: Um, so. Great. <laughs> yeah, but always it's actually a better option.
0: It's always it's it's kind of a good idea though, but it's only had one one public quarter as this new entity that it is. Um, but it has a. It will actually be having a, another quarterly report that will come out the day this podcast comes out. I'll be paying attention to it. I, I maybe we'll talk about this again because I actually do think there's something interesting here. Um, I want to talk about Warner Brothers Discovery, which ticker symbol is WBD. This is a new company that was formed when Warner Brothers was spun off from AT&T. Basically, it merged with Discovery. Um, And they now control like some of the biggest IP in the world. But they are just a mess because they have multiple (laughs) streaming services. They have multiple streaming services running. They've got like dozens of TV channels. They're still trying to put out, you know, big blockbuster movies to go to the movie theater. You know, they control Harry Potter. They control DC. And so it's kind of this interesting story of like, maybe this is the way that streaming will become profitable. Like, will it need to be attached to a traditional studio that can bring in ads from TV that can, you know, bring in big blockbuster money and then also have a streaming service attached to it. So it's just kind of, you guys know I'm obsessed with like streaming and figure out where where that's going. This is another version of that. And it's, I don't know. It's a good, I like it.
2: Was this, um, I should remember this, the company that, started a streaming service and then ended it
1: like the day it opened C-
0: yeah they had cnn plus which got canceled C- oh, CNN plus, that was it. <laughs> so. yeah cnn
1: plus so pour out a drink for her oh <laughs> <Yes. CNN Plus.
2: laughs> uh, very good okay um i like both pitches but i think i'm gonna have to ask amory more questions about this because it sounds like there's more to unfold there Right, lads, if you're listening to the free version of Stock Hub, this is where we'll leave you today. If you want to find out more about Warner Brothers Discovery and what we think of it as a potential investment, however, jump on over to My Wall Street app and you can listen to the rest of our conversation. Remember, if you have any questions you'd like answered or elevator pitches you'd like us to tackle, make sure to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, that's at my Wall Street HQ, On TikTok, that's at my Wall Street, or simply just email us at pod at MyWallStreet.com. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to tell your friends about us and don't forget to leave a review for us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Thanks for joining us today and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>